I don't care how bad you are or where you are in life, Jesus will never turn you away. doesn't matter who you are. In fact, we're going to look through the whole idea of, uh, through the whole book of John and see that Jesus reaches out to everyone and anyone. This happens to come in chapter 3 to Nicodemus. But Jesus had already reached out to, to what we call the disciples who were fishermen, who are not really counted much in society. We will see later he goes and meets a woman who's living with a man that's not her husband. We will see later he goes and sees another woman who's caught in adultery. We will have seen, if we look back in the Gospel of Matthew, whether when Jesus comes down and sees a man, he asks to come down, Zacchaeus, a tax gatherer, who has not looked highly on. It doesn't matter who you are. And so in verse 1 it says, there was a man. That could be you, that could be me. This man came by night. And so what we're invited to is a 2,000-year-old conversation. A conversation between a man and Jesus. Nicodemus actually comes and wants to see. And throughout John, we see, come and see. There's no other explanation, just come and see. We could do this here with this church when we say, come on, come on down. Well, what do your church have? Well, just come and see. You can come and uh, you can go and say, you know, Jesus is the way. Well, how does that ha happen? Well, come and see. Let's talk. Come and see. He already has seen what Jesus has done. All the miracles, all the signs. And he commends Jesus. And he calls him rabbi, meaning teacher. What's happening here? Basically what he's asking. And so, Jesus is called rabbi. But yet, at the same time, Jesus later will say, Are you not the teacher of Israel? So Nicodemus is not just any person. He's an Old Testament scholar. He is one that leads others to follow, the, follow God. Because of his standing, though, he's very high, he's powerful, he's a ruler. He does not want to be seen publicly with you. Have you ever been like that? Have you ever been like that? He's coming for an explanation, but he's too embarrassed to be seen with Jesus. Are you too embarrassed to be called a follower of Jesus? I remember, I don't do it now because it, I guess I guess too old, but uh, someone would ask me, what did I do? And I would him and Paul would one. It was easier in Southern California. What do you do? Oh, I'm a high school basketball coach. 
oh, we got something to talk about. When I came up here, I'm not a high school basketball I'm a pastor. I did not want anybody to know why? Because I was afraid that if I said I was a pastor, that they would just turn away from me. And some did. But I realized that I, if I don't say that I follow Jesus, how will my congregation say that they will follow Jesus? But I was too embarrassed at the time. Are we any different? I went to get a haircut this past uh, week. I needed it. I sat down, waiting. I, oh, I go down to the eight, uh, $10 haircuts down here on uh, South 3rd. Linda. Been going there for 10 years now. So I sat down to wait for my turn, and this lady comes in. She comes in and sits down. I had never seen a lady in the shop, even though it says this is what it would cost for a woman's cut. I pointed at her shoes. I said, how are you walking around in those shoes on this weather? And she said, yeah, but my job requires for me to. And so we got the conversation. And she asked me, what did I do? I said, well, I have a ministry. And, uh, and then we start talking. And she says, aren't you glad I didn't swear at, at any point in our conversation? And I told her I was going to be speaking today. Come and see. No, he's not here. But the fact of the matter is I began a conversation. Jesus is always available. We do not avail ourselves of his availability, but he's always available. I've often asked people, who do you have to call at three in the morning when things are not well? Do you have a 3 a.m. friend that you can call and he will not or she will not say, what in the world are you doing? Can't it wait? Take two aspirin and call me in the morning. Jesus will not do that. Jesus will never turn you away. It's never business as usual, though, when you talk with Jesus. Jesus will not turn you away. I've been rejected. I've had people turn away from me. Thank goodness the Lord blessed me with my wife, but she doesn't turn away with turn away from me. And we'll talk a little bit about this love aspect a little bit. Secondly, I want you to see is that Jesus gives you a fresh start. Verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 5, unless you are, one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Born again, 
born of water and the blood. What did I just say? Blood, didn't I? Born again. <laughs> have you ever felt like you never have your act again? Born of the water and the spirit. There are those who think that the born again, born of the water and the spirit is the natural birth and then the spiritual birth. But what happens is that Nicodemus is responding in a physical manner. How can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? Well, physically, if you could, you'd still be born a sinner. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute, that's not what I'm talking about. And so, as we think about water and the Spirit... Jesus is referring to Ezekiel 36, 24 to 27. And this is what it says. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all uh, countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, and from all, all your idols, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you excuse me and, and give you uh, I will take the stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments. And do them. Now you know why I had Caleb read John 3 1 through 21. So Jesus is referring to this passage. And so then he chides Nicodemus Are you not teaching? Don't you know these things? You are the teacher not a teacher. You're an expert in Old Testament. And you don't know these things? It's like saying to me, or to our elders, don't you know these things? Whatever it happens to be, especially when it comes to the running of this church. Wait a minute, it says that right here in the Constitution. Don't you know these things? But note what he says. You must be born again. You must. It's a need. It's a requirement. You don't get to go into the kingdom of God unless you are born again. In college, I had to take bonehead English. That means my English part of the SAT was no good. And I always blamed it on the fact that I was Chinese. And I didn't learn English until 
speak English until I entered elementary school. So I had to take bonehead English. I had to take, I almost failed. I had to take the test a second time, and this is what the instructor told me. He says, you know, just simple why your I remember writing a, a, a eulogy for the pastor that was my interim pastor and then became kind of like my mentor. And then um, he was there at my uh, ordination. So I wrote a, wrote a eulogy. I asked my wife, I said, how did it sound? She said, it's great. I said, how's the grammar? Said, That's awesome. But it sounds like me. You must be. So, I was never good at English, and now I got to take this class that's called the Introduction to Greek. And I had to pass that course in order to go through the rest of seminary. And I remember laying in bed down in Portland, and I said, you know, if I don't make it through this class, I'll go to Multnomah. They don't have a Greek requirement. You must. Do you know Jesus? Because Jesus has not given up on you. Neither he will not turn you away, he will give you a fresh start, and he will not give up on you. Even after you received him, he doesn't give up. We can write off people. We can give up on people. I have this trait from my father. If I don't like something from somebody and it's bad enough, I can cut them out of my life and move on. I just cut them off. Jesus doesn't do that. For it says here, 4, in verse 16, and everyone in this room knows this verse just about. For God, that 4 is a purpose clause. It begins, for God. It was God's purpose. It was not man's idea. It was God's idea. It was not God, man initiating it. It's God initiating it. For God so loved. He just didn't love us. He so loved us. That little two word, whatever, what part of speech is that called? The English majors? It intensifies that love. He so passionately loved you. I look at my own life and I said, no. I don't deserve that. Daddy, he so loved the world. Some commentator says all of creation. But it really is pointing to us. The good, the bad, the ugly, and ugly. Jesus, 
doesn't give up on you. He so loved the world, he gave. He gave. He sacrificed. It isn't like... I remember when I was younger, my dad and I... I became a believer, and my dad said, just be careful, all they want is your money. He put down the pastors because he said he could preach 40 minutes like any other person. Get up there and speak. I said, what would you say, though? He looked at me. So when I became the pastor on Beacon Hill with Chinese Baptist, he came up. And he said, what do you do? Open my, my daytime. I said, I'm taking some time off so I can be with you now, but this was last week, and this will be next week. He says, you do all of that? Yes. They don't pay you enough. But, when we think about it, he gave. He sacrificed. It isn't me giving a dollar as conscious money and say, I gave. When God gave, he gave his best. He did not withhold. He sacrificed. And so... When you think about this, Jesus is always pointing to the cross. And that's the reason why he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, back in uh, Numbers 21, he points to the cross. You may give up on yourself. Like I did as a kid. But why make up? Clean up my room. I gave up. But Jesus does not. I was not a great kid. I was not a really a good guy. If you knew me back in my teen years, you would have written me off. I got arrested for doing a publicly outrageous thing. I got convicted of that outrageous thing. The only good thing that happened from that was that I was 17 years old. So the they said, if you do this for the next two, three years, this conviction is sealed. It's expunged. It's like you've never done it. So you can go to a workplace and fill out. Have you ever been arrested? No. And every time I checked off that no, I knew it should be yes. So I got out. My parents did bail me out on a Sunday. So I decided I needed to go to church. Church that I was saved in. 
And in that moment, that evening, the church, it's a young church. We're a high school, college church. We were in this process of wanting to get a new facility. And they want to get a new facility in this upscale Jewish community in Oakland. And the community wasn't so excited about this Asian invasion into their community and was youth. And so my pastor went before the city council and said this. If you can find anyone of my people, of our kids, having been in trouble with the law, I will withdraw our application. Guess where I wanted to go. And for the longest time, I knew that God had placed his hand on me to be a preacher. My pastor even said that. You're called. I had made application to go to Bible college. I didn't go. Why? Because God can't use someone like me. And praise the Lord. God worked it all out. So I met my wife in college. And the rest is history. She loves me unconditionally. So when I do something that's kind of crazy, I says, do you still love me? And she says, of course I do. I'm not happy with you right now, but I love you. So God loves. We can't save ourselves. It requires Jesus. A sinless Jesus person cannot save you. It'd be like you're in the middle of the sound here. There's nothing around you. For some reason, somehow, you wound up in the middle of the sound without a paddle, without a boat, without anything. Fish you. How long can you tread water? How far can you really swim? And if it's now, it's really cold. So how long do you think you're going to last? You'll last if somebody comes. That's what you Just give up. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you're at. It's still pursuit because love. Jesus offers you eternal life. Perhaps you don't know Jesus, but he offers you eternal life. And eternal life is not tomorrow uh, in, in, the, in the future. If you receive Jesus Christ today, eternal life begins today. And so my life changes 
Because I'm no longer just a citizen of this world. I'm a citizen. I changed my citizenship to heaven. So it says, For whosoever will, to whosoever is you and me. And in John 1.12 it says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, and to those who believe in his name. To believe in his name is just to say, oh yes, that's Jesus. He's a good teacher. He's a good his historical figure. There's someone to emulate. To believe in his name is to say, this is who he is. In all he is. John 3.16, those who believe in him. What it what it isn't is this. Cheap grace. Beware of cheap grace. John found this, John Prince found this for me from Bonhoeffer. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus living and incarnate. Costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field for the sake of of it, a man will go and sell all that he has. Pearl of great price. We were graced this last few months by you. I am so grateful for this church body. You came, remodeled, there's a few things left, but 99% of the stuff is done. And it's because of you. This would not have gotten done. Well, it probably could have gotten done, but it cost me three times more. If it was not the church. I am grateful. Because you came in and did Gratefulness is different from, well, thanks, guys. You really helped me out. And walk away. That's called using you. That's not really gratefulness. Beware of cheap grace. The one who died for your sin. And this understanding is that we change our mindset. We change a mindset. Jesus didn't come to judge because we've already been judged. We judge ourselves. And this is the condemnation. So what do you have to do 
not to inherit eternal life. Do nothing. Just do nothing. That's what this passage says. Do nothing. So Nicodemus comes and sees, and we all see him change to the gospel. From embarrassment in John 7 where he sent where he speaks on behalf of Jesus. Are you a Jesus follower? Now, he doesn't say anything. But he speaks up now. To the point where when Jesus is crucified and with Joseph of Arimathea, he goes out in public to take down Jesus and identifies with Jesus. So we see a man change. My wife calls me a grace child. And God has used her in having seen me change. When my mom died a few years ago, three, four years ago now, we're down at the memorial service, well, actually at the funeral service, and after the funeral service, you have the you know this little reception. So, so but before the before the funeral service, my sister, my younger sister Pam and I, was sitting in the breakfast nook, and we were talking. And then all of a sudden, the conversation turned to my wife, and I and she says, "You know, Jean saved your life." Really. Jesus. I didn't say that. Oh, okay. Because she accepted all the craziness of this family, and you are not on a good path. So then at the reception, I'm sitting down with my Jewish cousin-in-law. I was the first not to marry Chinese, and then all of a sudden the, the dam broke open. And so I'm sitting with Marty, who's a music professor at the university. And Jeannie was talking to somebody at another table, and I was talking to Marty. And he happened to look over at her and said, she was right. Yes, she did. I said, you know, Pam said that she saved my life. And he said, we all. That's my reputation within my family. So I'm grateful. And I change. Not all at once. My wife will tell you not all at once. But Jesus is the one. So go through this program. Jesus will never turn you away. Never turn you away. He may get mad at you, but he will never turn you away. Jesus will give you a fresh start. How many fresh starts have we all had? A lot. Jesus has not given up on you. 
And going through the pastorate, I learned not to give up on people. I remember my daughter saying, why are you dealing with this guy? You know he's just going to stab you in the back. Because I think that's what Jesus is doing. <laughs> Later, she's proven true. He stabbed me in the back. Jesus offers you eternal life. You're, if you know Jesus now, you have eternal life. And it, you're in the process of what we call being, working out that Seeing all that is. My wife likes this one um, uh, illustration that I've used. So I may have used it before. And so if I have, just please humor me and allow this old man to say I used to bring out this illustration of you're going to Disneyland. You know? So after the Super Bowl, the quarterback is asked, the winning quarterback, where are you going? I'm going to Disneyland. So my wife and I actually went to Disneyland on our honeymoon. We got married in January and went on our honeymoon in April because of a shutdown of our college campus, student pride. So I'm going to tell you I'm going to go to Disneyland. They go, oh, great, they'll go and enjoy yourself. So I come back. And they say, how is Disneyland? I said, that's great. What do you do? Well, there's this big, massive gate that you go through. So I went through it. And then on the inside, there were all sorts of things going on. There's a little, there's a train going through because they have rails. They have the, I saw the uh, shop. And then I saw these little rides for kids, you know, like Dumbo and those things. They're all in the Main Street. And then I stayed for the Main Street Parade. Someone would say, oh, anything else? I said, no. Then I left. What would you say to me? Kim, you're crazy. Why am I crazy? You missed it. You missed everything. So you say to me, did you go to Tomorrowland? No. I didn't even know there was a Tomorrowland. Did you go to Fantasyland? I thought I was at Fantasyland just being in the... You missed it. If you have eternal life and all you did was step into the main gate through the main gate and you do not move any further you missed it what are you missing out on in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. That's what you miss. And I have missed that on occasion because I just retreat back to the main gate. 
Jesus offers you eternal life to those who believe. And if you don't know Jesus, come talk to John, talk to Caleb, talk to Matt. In fact, I could say all of you who know Jesus, you can stand up and, and don't know Jesus. Even if you stand up and you say, and you don't know Jesus because you're too embarrassed not to stand up, you can see the street. They will share. They come. Let me just say this one last time. Jesus will never turn you away. He gives you a fresh start. He has not given up on you and gives eternal life to those who believe. That's John 3. Without Jesus, I know what I would do. I'd have no heart. Dead, or I'd be in prison because I was not. This is what Jesus Father, as we uh, close this portion, I pray even as we have come and see and saw come and experience who you are, that we would invite others to come and see how great you really are. And that in you, we're invited. In you, we are forgiven. In you, we have the opportunity to have the fullness of life because of your greatness. So guide us even now in Jesus' name. Right now we're going to go and have communion.